Earlier this year, the federal government announced that $48.7 million from the upcoming budget would go towards a revamp of The Meeting Place, the site of the 1770 encounter between British explorer Captain James Cook and the Gweagle clan, part of the Eora Nation that inhabits the area of Kundal, now known as Kurnell. The funding was to include $3 million of government money for a new statue of Captain Cook and a remodelling of his ship, the Endeavour, to be forever moored in the waters of Botany Bay. But one of you has written in to ask, why is the government spending $3 million taxpayer dollars for a Captain Cook statue? You're listening to Seeking Sydney, where we answer the questions you have about your city. My name is Viktor Petrovich. To me, it means, you know, the day, you know, that was the place where we started to lose everything. That's the day where, you know, first began. This is Rodney Kelly. He's a Darwell man and a part of the Gweagle clan. His ancestors were the people that Cook approached in the Endeavour in 1770. He is describing the significance of that encounter 248 years ago. They come in and anchored into the bay and... Cook fired the first shots, yelled the first shots fired. That was out of frustration because they didn't have permission to land on the shore. So Cook fired shots, you know, a few exchanges happened, shots and spears, and that resulted in everybody being chased away from the beach and and Cook and his crew was free to walk along the beach and do whatever. What happened from there is well documented. Invasion, dispossession, the building of a new society, and the near-fatal attack on another. Our relationship with that history is complex, with so many parts unresolved and many details of Australia's colonial history still hotly contested. Some Australians seem to cling to parts of that history which really resonate with them, like the story of Captain Cook's journey to Australia. That is why Jack Lattimore, a BRP man and writer for The Guardian and Indigenous X, thinks that the story of Cook is so revered. Well, I think it's got a lot to do with that concept of white fragility. That and nation building, like there's a project, an ongoing project for the last 200 years, but particularly since Federation about nation building to establish a identity for Australia that you know, doesn't challenge that idea of white establishment status quo. Jack thinks that the maintenance of the political status quo leads to an easier society to govern. So, you know, the project is bought into by successive prime ministers and ministers and it benefits them because it's easier to sell to, you know, sell policy to sorts of people that are on the same page rather than a diversity or a plurality of people. When the statue was first announced by ex-Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull and his then Treasurer and local member for Cook, our new PM Scott Morrison, the political climate in Indigenous affairs was far from stagnant. Only the year before, Australia was having a conversation about the optics of statues to colonisers in our public spaces, with statues of people like Governor Lachlan Macquarie being defaced with the words, no pride in genocide. 
Just after this, as historian and author from the University of Sydney, Mark McKenna, explains, the environment became even more complicated. This announcement just follows the rejection of the Uluru State. So for Aboriginal people who have been fighting for years now for constitutional recognition, the Turnbull government rejection, and I doubt that Scott Morrison's position incidentally will be any different, the Turnbull government's rejection of the Uluru Statement was a profoundly upsetting and distressing moment. That moment, at the very least, showed a lack of sympathy and understanding from the government to what Indigenous Australia was trying to tell them. Mark thinks that this was exactly the wrong moment for the announcement of the Cook statue. So it's understandable that when the government rejects the Uluru Statement and has made so little progress on the challenge of constitutional recognition and genuine structural reform, that Aboriginal people say, why we don't, the last thing we need now is, uh, you know, $50 million for, for Cook and Botany Bay. Unfortunately, the events of the last year are not isolated. The deaf ears that greet Indigenous voices and ideas, and the welcoming ones that embrace the stories of Cook and Anzac have long been tilted in that direction. Mark McKenna thinks that this attitude is based on the foundations that Australia was originally built on. I think underneath it all, as Galloway, Yinapingu and other Aboriginal leaders have said, underneath it all, we know that the land was taken consent of Aboriginal people and without the ceding of their sovereignty, without compensation. We know those things and therefore there's an extreme discomfort that knowledge, if you like, that has not really been addressed openly, that the country, the nation rests on foundations which were not honourable, especially because Aboriginal people were largely dispossessed by force. So Confronting that history is extremely difficult, would be anywhere, but doubly so here. Confronting that history is exactly what Rodney Kelly thinks needs to be done for Australia to try and reconcile with its past. For some people, you know, I suppose he is a national hero or something, but people have got to look at it from our point of view, what's been inflicted on us. So to glorify Cook, and especially now since... 2020 is coming up, the 250th anniversary, uh, you know, to glorify Cook and, and his actions is not right. Rodney thinks that Australia's history is only ever told from one side, and a broader understanding of the full story and of Australia's rich pre-1788 history would allow for a more inclusive and a more truthful account of Australia's history. We need to start talking about and learning about, like, the two warriors that stood there and, and defended their shoreline against, you know, these unknown people who, who come in and, and fired first. People need to uh, learn those sort of stories first before, you know, learning about post-colonial stuff and, and what's happened afterwards. Learning about Rodney's Gweagle ancestors would be one step in the direction of creating a full picture of Australian history. The constant political bickering over which parts of our history we can and can't tell leaves us in an untenable position where we must deny one thing to make another right. Mark McKenna thinks that a more holistic version of the story of Cook would show that it has meaning to a wide range of people. It's significant for all sorts of reasons. It's certainly significant to Aboriginal people because 
they, as I said, around the country, Cook is a synonym for everything that the British have done to and with Aboriginal people in this country. So he is an important figure in Indigenous oral history. And, of course, for the people, for Indigenous people locally at Kurnell, he's also extremely important because their own stories of that contact and their own oral history of, of that encounter when Cook was at Botany Bay and also down the years, that those stories continue to live. Mark thinks that bringing this nuance to the usually one-dimensional telling of Cook's story would reveal its significance to a wide range of Australians. So he's significant not only for white Australia, and he's not just our property. He's not just the property of white Australia. He's the property of multicultural Australia, of all migrants, of and that we're pretty much all migrants, aren't we? And of Aboriginal people. They were really the only non-migrants in this place. Cook belongs to everyone. The impact that Cook has left on this country is not something that any of us can run away from. We don't yet know how much of the site at the meeting place will be devoted to the Indigenous side of the story. But if you ask some of them, it doesn't really matter. Many First Nations people, including the Guardian's Jack Lattimore, see greater opportunities for the 50 million taxpayer dollars. Reconciliation, that concept of reconciliation, you know, Aboriginal people are very cynical about it, but it does, for me personally, it does hold some value. And I think if we're going to legitimately, genuinely achieve the concept of reconciliation, it would be about truth-telling. Jack thinks there is some straightforward and practical ways to go about this. So renaming landmarks, towns, that sort of thing in traditional language, erecting memorials to the multitude of massacres, indigenous massacres that occurred during invasion. Uh, basically, edu- not educating, but making the public aware of the true history that you know, Australia's experience since 1770, and that would probably cost at least $50 million. So why do we need this statue to Captain Cook? And why do we need to spend such a significant amount of taxpayer dollars on it? Many of the people I've spoken to think it's about virtue signalling to a small pocket of Australian society. But the story of Cook does have its place. Some people like the local La Perouse Aboriginal Land Council, have high hopes for the development at the meeting place, and Scott Morrison has mentioned an Indigenous presence in the revamp. But is incorporating Indigenous elements into a white version of the story the best way to approach our colonial history? I'll leave that up to you. This has been Seeking Sydney. If you have a question for us, please head to 2 forward slash Seeking Sydney. My name is Viktor Petrovich.